0: Hello, and welcome to this Brussels to Beijing policy podcast from S&P Global Platts. I'm Siobhan Hall, Platz's expert on European Union energy policy based in Brussels. Today, we're talking about the latest developments on the EU carbon market, including new measures intended to stop Brexit crashing the price from next year, and post-2020 reforms intended to cut the massive surplus of allowances that has built up in recent years. To do this, I'm joined from London by Frank Watson, Platts' EU carbon market expert, from New York by Jeff Berman, Director for Emissions and Clean Energy at analytics company Pyra, which is also part of S&P Global Platts. So, Jeff, why is the EU so concerned about the impact of Brexit on the EU's carbon market?
1: Thanks for having me, Siobhan. Well, policymakers in Brussels have been grappling with how to protect the European carbon market from Brexit. Now, the carbon market is already massively oversupplied, and now there is the risk that if the UK leaves the carbon market, On Brexit Day in March 2019, UK companies will be holding a lot of allowances for a compliance obligation that they will no longer have. This can introduce a new wave of oversupply as UK companies can sell off these allowances. And in the meantime, it's introducing a new element of market uncertainty.
0: Right. So I can see why the EU is worried. Frank, what's the plan to protect the EU carbon market from this?
2: Well thanks Siobhan. Uh, The plan is to change the EU ETS rules to enable all UK allowances issued from the 1st of January 2018 to be clearly marked as UK allowances and that includes those uh, sold in auctions and allocated freely to the industrial installations. So companies would not be able to use these UK marked allowances for compliance purposes under the ETS until there's a future agreement between the UK and the EU on participation after the uh, Brexit date in 2019.
1: But more immediately, it means that as soon as 2018, there's a possibility that carbon allowances won't have the same value across the European Union. One price could emerge in the UK and another price entirely for all other countries.
2: That's exactly the the risk. And, you know, it may be that UK companies decide not to buy UK issued allowances uh, in auctions and instead buy those allowances issued by the other 27 member states as a sort of way of uh, hedging against any possible future compliance requirements, because they could always um, sell those other EUAs on to other companies if it turns out that they're no longer part of the ETS.
0: Okay, so essentially this policy, it could reduce demand for UK allowances and it could increase demand for non-UK allowances. Jeff, how likely is it that the proposal will be approved and in place by the 1st of January?
1: I think it's certainly possible negotiators from the European Parliament and the European Council have already agreed to it informally, and the European Commission has already presented a formal proposal this week. And so the timing is certainly tight to have it in place by January 1st, but it's absolutely possible. At the same time, any delays to this regulatory timeline could also delay sales of allowances starting next year.
0: Right. Well, this must be very unsettling for everyone involved in the EU carbon market particularly because I understand that uh, carbon prices have been rising recently. So, Frank, where are EU carbon prices now?
2: Well, that's true, Siobhan. To your first point, that does add a lot of uncertainty to the market, especially uh, UK-based operators. And uh, traders are not too happy about the uncertainty. It's too early to see a specific price impact that can be discernible just yet. But certainly on your second question about the prices, I mean, carbon now for delivery in December this year, 2017, currently trading around uh, the mid 7 euros per metric ton level. And that's up on the the sub-6 euro prices uh, that we saw a couple of months ago, but also down on the two-year highs that we saw of uh, just under 8 euros uh, earlier this month.
1: And really the biggest factor driving current carbon prices is the uncertainty around the availability of French nuclear generation as we head into the peak winter season. Any additional outages will have to be covered by higher thermal power generation which increases demand for carbon allowances.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a good point on the underlying demand there with the, with the power market, uh, certainly a factor, but also some of the rises that we've seen recently are uh, almost certainly linked to the, the EU's planned post-2020 reforms to cut the surplus, almost certainly uh, priced in already. And in particular, we understand that EU negotiators have informally agreed to double the volume of allowances going into the new market stability reserve from 2019. So effectively, that would see 24% of the allowances earmarked each year for auction uh, instead going into the reserve.
0: Right. So, I mean, that sounds like quite a big uh, change in supply. How how long does that go on for?
2: Well, the expectation is that it would continue for five years. So from the start of 2019 until the end of 2023. And EU policymakers are hoping that putting allowances at that rate into the reserve could help bring the market oversupply back to levels last seen around about uh, 2010 or 2011 when prices ranged from around about 10 euros to 17 euros.
1: Now, that's an interesting view, Frank, and and certainly a lot of folks in the market have been using that supply-side information as a guide as to where prices could go in the future. But our view at Pyre is that there's a more important demand-side story that needs to be considered. There are a lot of other EU policies out there that could further reduce demand for emissions, things like improving energy efficiency or using more renewable energy. And domestic policies play a huge role too. In the last few weeks, two countries, the Netherlands and Italy, have announced new domestic initiatives to add additional prices to carbon and to phase out coal-fired generation entirely. All of these policies have a major impact on demand for allowances in the broader European carbon market, and so it could take far longer for prices to recover to their previous levels.
2: Yeah, that's a good point, and and we've seen similar aspects to that uh, in the past where You know, more aggressive um, phasing out of coal has affected verified emissions. One thing that we are looking at closely is that the MSR reserve will actually deal with the surplus based on an automatic rate of 24%. So even if there were additional elements that reduce demand for carbon, we see that MSR acting as an automatic uh, self-balancing mechanism.
1: In theory, yes, but that doesn't mean that the MSR works quickly. Even as the NSR is removing oversupply, new oversupply is continually building in the market from weaker demand. And remember that the percentage of oversupply that is due to be placed in the market stability reserve will fall to a lower level of 12% starting in 2024.
0: Okay, so there are these efforts to reduce the oversupply, but there's also these other policies going on that are reducing demand, so there's still lots of variables. But overall, it still seems that carbon prices will pick up in the medium term, that, you know, it's just a question of when, not how. What's happening next on the post-2020 reforms?
2: Well, the next meeting of EU negotiators on the post-2020 reforms is on November the 8th. So we could see an informal agreement then, or if not, uh, certainly soon after.
1: Absolutely. An agreement by the end of this year on the broader marketer firms is definitely possible.
0: Right. So... Basically, these are very interesting times for the carbon market. So we have a potential agreement on post-2020 reforms, maybe even as early as next month. And then there is this potential change to the UK allowances uh, starting from the 1st of January 2018. Interesting times. Thank you, Jeff and Frank, for all your insights. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening and tune in next time for more Platt's Perspectives on Policy.